Uh, indeed, it's a pleasure and a joy for me again to stand here to share the Word of God with you. It's wonderful to, to see so many of you here in church today. Yeah, thank God we're finally getting back to normalcy and hopefully we can start to have our hospitality ministry back so we can all have coffee and tea, you know, <laughs> soon. Yes, I know the kids would like to have coffee and tea and to, to really be able to hang out. Yeah, so, yeah, we miss those days, right? Don't we? <laughs> can you believe it? We're coming to almost the end of 2021. Have you achieved what you have set out to do in the beginning of this year? <laughs> How much have you checked off the box on your resolution list? Make sure you visit them and work on them huh, before another year sleeps you by. Okay, let's not get too stressed over our deadlines. Uh, okay, I'm supposed to remove my mask, right? Forgotten. Okay, you can hear me better now? Yes? Okay, <laughs> yeah, the one right at the end. Who is that behind? <laughs> Sorry, Carl. Okay, yeah, <laughs> thank you. Okay, now, uh, okay, let's learn to rest and enjoy, okay, as we enter into the house of God. I'm nervy, <laughs> okay? I'm always talking to the young people. Now I have to speak like an adult, <laughs> okay? Okay, let's bear with me, okay? Right, now, let's turn our, okay, pastor has already read the, the word of the Lord for us today. Now, do you realize Christmas is just around the corner, people? Yes? Yeah. How many of you love Christmas? Wow, okay, quite a number. I love the Christmas season. It's the best time of the year for me. There are always lots of food, you know, Christmas caroling, get-together parties and presents, yeah? <laughs> and of course, my favorite Charles Dickens classic, A Christmas Carol, you know? That is something that I like to, I like to read, I like to watch every time during Christmas. Okay, now, but did you know the holiday season is also a time where people seek help the most? The irony is that while many in the world are celebrating and partying, there are also many lonely people out there who just could not cope with the loneliness, the loss of loved ones, abandonment from those who mattered to them most, or other personal struggles. And it can be a difficult time of the year for many. The only way out is to take things into their own hands. So they turn to drugs, alcohol, binging on food, searching for love, or even self-harm, just to escape from their pain, thinking that that is the best way to resolve their internal turmoil. Yet we know that these things can never replace the void in their hearts. These things may provide temporary relief, but they can never replace the emptiness that was felt inside of them. I think of Anthony Bourdain, the renowned celebrity chef, Kate Spade, the luscious bag designer and one of the funniest guys in Hollywood, Robin Williams, just to name a few. Seemingly, they had everything they needed, money, reputation, fame, other famous friends, and all that one would perceive as successful and desirable. Yet, these things cannot satisfy the deepest cry of the human soul. When left on their own without the glitz and glam, these celebs too had to face up to their fears and pain. They had to deal with a void that is there. Nothing can satisfy their longing. The Bible tells us only God can fill the vacuum that's in our hearts because He was the one who created us and it is only when we have a relationship with Him that we can experience the abundant life 
that only God can give. Jesus is called the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You know, the Hebrew word shalom or peace in the Old Testament covers a wide range. It means wholeness, health, security, well-being, and salvation. But more than that, it also applies to a wider context, such as the state of an individual, the interpersonal relationships, truths between nations, and the relationship between God and humanity. It is used as a general greeting among friends or as a farewell. In these uses, it served as well wishes for the people addressed and friendly intentions on the part of the speaker. Instinctively, almost all the epistles in the New Testament included peace in the opening or ending sections. However, the peace here does not refer to our own human effort, but it is a blessing from God. In the Old Testament, peace is closely linked to the idea of covenant. It is harmony and communion between God and the Jewish people. The presence of peace spoke of God's blessing, whereas an absence of peace indicated a breakdown of that relationship, and it is often due to their disobedience and unrighteousness. The word shalom is peace in all of its fullness, in every aspect of life. That is why shalom is used widely in Israel or even amongst friends, especially today in the Jewish community. Shalom. Say to your neighbor, shalom. <laughs> shalom, yes. Peace be with you. Scripture presents peace as a fulfillment of God's promise to His people on earth and is correlated to one's relationship with God rather than a psychological state of mind. It is a state of being at ease, meaning not restless, but having peace both inwardly and outwardly, and being at rest both spiritually and emotionally. That is why Scripture tells us when the Messiah comes, He would be called the Prince of Peace, because He would achieve lasting peace over His enemies. Now, the Bible tells us in the beginning God created the universe, and He created us in His image. We are to be holy and to, to live according to His commands. Yet, God so loved us that He made us free agents by giving us the freedom to make choices. How many like to make choices? Yeah, okay. We all do want to make choices, don't we? See, God gave us the, the, the choice to choose between good and evil. With one exception though, God forbade our first ancestors, Adam and Eve, to eat of the fruit, the tree rather, of the knowledge of good and evil yet they violated God's law and rejected His way of life and goodness, thereby opening the world to evil and death. Hence, the peace between God and mankind was shattered due to the rebellion and divine wrath. And because of the fall of humanity, the whole world is now broken and a flawed place which must be reinstated to secure peace. In the Old Testament, we were told that peace is obtained through the sacrifice of animals and the shedding of blood. But an appointed messianic king will come to restore the peace in this troubled world. Isaiah 53 prophesied that a suffering servant will come to take the sin and guilt of God's people upon himself and bring peace to them. In the New Testament, all prophecies were fulfilled in the person and the office of Jesus Christ. Significantly, both Zechariah and Simeon mentioned peace in their pronouncement that the much-anticipated coming of the Messiah had occurred right before their very eyes. 
At the birth of Jesus, the angels proclaimed the coming of the Prince of Peace. This peace that was mediated by the sacrifices in the Old Testament is now directly dispensed by Jesus in the Gospels. Jesus healed the sick, comforted the brokenhearted, and calmed the raging storm. Jesus specifically mentioned he will give peace to those who will follow him. And he invokes peace by saying, peace to you, whenever he, re- he greets his disciples, echoing the Jewish custom, but with a far greater and more powerful reality in mind. Eventually, true peace is found in the life of Jesus. He proclaimed peace to his disciples when he appeared to them after his resurrection again and blessed them saying, peace be to you. And Paul says this, the finished work on the cross is evident that he himself is our peace. In this sense, the same title given to Jesus is the same as that given to God the Father. Jesus is indeed the God of peace. Now, so how can we experience the peace of God, the shalom of God in our lives? Two aspects for us to consider. That is, to have peace with God and to have the peace of God. Okay, two things. Remember, peace with God and peace of God. And so what does it mean? Peace with God comes only through the forgiveness of sin. The Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And to have peace with God, we must first choose to be reconciled with God. Peace with God means we are no longer alienated from Him, according to Colossians 1, 20-22. And peace with God brings a sense of well-being and confidence. Since we have been justified by faith through our Lord Jesus Christ, we can experience the joy and victory of having peace with God. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid the full price for our sins. His atonement is final and complete. That is why we can have the abundant life that He promises to all who believe in Him. He tore the veil between heaven and earth so that we can all enter into God's presence with confidence and without guilt or shame. God's invitation is for everyone. He invites us to come boldly into His throne room to receive His mercy and grace. Now, at a welcoming dinner in His honour, Billy Graham, my favourite, my favourite, okay, <laughs> was, a, was seated next to a prominent clergyman. During the course of the dinner, Graham asked the man when, when he had become a Christian. The man's eyes glistened with emotion as he put his fork down and proceeded to relate his story. He was invited to give a lecture at a prestigious theological school in Chicago. He accepted the invitation and soon found himself in the heart of the Windy City. One afternoon, he boarded a city bus in order to do some sightseeing. No sooner had he taken his seat when a big black finger tapped him on the shoulder. He turned and saw a full round ebony face of an obviously poor woman seated behind him. In a wonderfully rich voice, but somewhat broken English, she asked, don't laugh at me, okay? Mister, has you ever been born again? He frowned, thinking for sure he had misunderstood her question, since English 
was his second language. With polite reserve, he asked, Excuse me? The deep, rolling voice repeated, I says, has you been born again? The clergyman stiffened his back, straightened his shoulders, and replied with the greatest dignity, My dear madam, I am a clergyman, and I am here to give a lecture at a theological seminary. As the bus came to a stop, the woman rose to get off. She looked at the proud religious man and persisted bluntly. Mister, that ain't what I ask you. I ask you, has you been born again? Then she turned and walked off the bus and out of his life. But the clergyman said her words rang in his ears and burned in his soul. He went back to his hotel room, located a Gideon Bible in a dresser drawer, opened it to the Gospel of John, and read the familiar story of Nicodemus. With increasing clarity and conviction, he knew that even with all of his religious training and devotion and service and recognition, he had never been born again. So he fell down on his knees, and that night, in a Chicago room thousands of miles from home, he asked Jesus to come into his heart, and God answered his sincere heart's cry. It's interesting, isn't it? Who would expect someone of such stature to have missed the point of being born again? This reminds me that we should never be too presumptuous about someone's salvation or relationship with God. Knowing God as a God who forgives is key to having peace with God. Most Christians claim to know all about God's forgiveness, yet very few live in the power and enjoyment of this amazing gift. They may know about forgiveness doctrinally and be able to quote all the major passages on forgiveness, but they are not able to enjoy God's forgiveness as an ongoing daily part of their Christian walk. And this is tragic. Despite knowing about the mercy of God, victory on the cross, being ransomed by the blood of Jesus and accepted by grace alone, most Christians still live with uncertainty. Many Christians have a nagging sense of God's displeasure. They are in constant turmoil. What they read in the Bible about God's forgiveness is simply not happening in their hearts. As Paul said in Galatians 4.15, that such Christians have not entered into the blessedness of knowing that their sins are not imputed against them. And how does this blessedness manifest itself? It is the peace that settles within our souls, and we know we have nothing to fear when we meet God face to face. We receive God's peace through His blood on the cross, and now we don't have to tremble in fear at the devil's accusations. We know we have a heavenly Father who forgives and pardons us, Jesus' sacrifice for us was made once and for all. Through His shed blood, He has reconciled us to God. The peace we have with God the Father through Jesus distinguishes our faith from all other religions. Did you know Hindus worship thousands of gods? Muslims worship Allah. But in both the Hindu and Muslim worlds, there is no peace. And why so, you may ask? simply because these gods are powerless to pardon sin. 
according to their beliefs, people have to work and strive, hoping and praying they will somehow be relieved of their sins. And the sin question is left unsettled in all religions. Whereas our Heavenly Father provides peace by pardoning sin. The question we have to ask ourselves then is, do I want to make peace with God? Do I have a personal relationship with God? Because if we do, our whole perspective of things will change. The way we look at the world we live in will change. The way we relate to people, the way we react to circumstances, and most importantly, the way we respond to God will change. Okay, now that we have peace with God, the next step is to have the peace of God. So what is the peace of God? Peace of God is a divine gift and it is bestowed. This is exactly why Jesus came to earth, to bring peace to the troubled and the fearful. He testified, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Before he ascended to heaven, again he said, Peace, I live with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. To experience the peace of God, we must choose to walk in obedience to God's purposes and wills for our lives. Many Christians have peace with God. They have accepted Jesus into their hearts into the, as their personal Lord and Saviour. But they have never gone beyond their confession of faith. They have not gone on to experience the peace of God in their lives. They are always filled with anxieties and fears, and that affected them physically, emotionally, and spiritually. The joy of the salvation was robbed from them, and they are not able to receive freely from God. Peace is a gift from God and a promise to all believers. Unfortunately, many failed to enjoy the peace that flows from an unhindered fellowship with God. The Bible tells us that we can experience peace when we put our trust and hope in Christ and when we walk by faith. When we acknowledge and confess our need for God, repent and turn from our wicked ways, only then can we truly experience the inner peace that only Jesus can bring. This sense of peace, security, and tranquility is what Jesus referred to when he said, My peace I give to you. Jesus reminds us not to let our hearts be troubled, nor to be afraid. God promised us this kind of peace when he made an oath to Abraham. God pledged to send a redeemer to his people, to deliver them from all enemy powers and to enable them to live holy lives and without fear. And this Redeemer is the same Jesus who had spent his years on earth preaching about God's peace and giving peace freely to all who received him. Today, all who acknowledge Jesus as Lord have received his divine peace. Peace with God and peace within and this is what Paul meant when he prayed, that the God of hope might fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. As children of God, we have entered into a new covenant relationship with our Heavenly Father. 
In the flesh, we are weak and helpless. But in Christ, we can do all things through Him who strengthens us. Rightfully, we should receive the peace of God. But we cannot have the peace of God because there's tension inside of us. We want to follow God's commands and obey Him. But we also want to be the captain of our own lives. We want to be in charge. We struggle to let go of control. If we want to have the peace of God, the way forward, brethren, is to you. It's to you, to Him, and surrender all our struggles to Him because He loves us and He cares for us. God wants us to experience the shalom in us, or in Him, rather, to be complete in every sense of the word, in our body, our mind, our soul, our spirit, and our relationship with others. That is to have the shalom of God. The devil is an accuser, and he's constantly looking out for those whom he may devour. Therefore, we need to be sober, we need to be watchful, because our adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Jesus has overcome the world. Therefore, we don't have to succumb to the devil's threats. In Christ, we too can become overcomers. In Proverbs 24, 16, it says, For the righteous falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in times of calamity. To stumble and fall is not failure. To stumble and fall again and again is not failure. But failure comes when we say, I was pushed and then failed to get up again. We don't have to believe in the lies that Satan has planted in our minds, that our sins are too great, that God will never be able to forgive us, that, or that we are not loved by God, that we are never good enough. That is the lie from the pit of hell. The truth is, God loves you. He loves us so much that He was willing to sacrifice His one and only begotten Son, Jesus, to die on our behalf so that we can be reconciled back to Him. God is a loving, heavenly Father. He desires to give us good gifts. But most importantly, He wants us to come to Him. He wants us to speak with Him, to tell Him our daily happenings. Do you realize how we could spend hours talking to our friends, our family, but we seldom talk to God? How many can say that? <laughs> don't, don't raise your hands. <laughs> okay. Now, they say women speak more words than men in a day. But the truth of the matter is, we all like to tell our stories, don't we? Men, women, alike, everybody wants to talk, everybody wants to share. <laughs> yes, that's why we're in cell groups, right? Cell group is a good place to be in. <laughs> we can talk and talk and talk. Yeah, so, now, so... Next time, when you needed someone to talk to, go to God, okay? He's never too impatient to hear us. He's never, you know, He's, he's never too impatient when we nag, right? He, he's never too impatient to hear us, and he, he doesn't interrupt when we speak, isn't He? He doesn't. He just listens, yeah? So, you know, I was, I was just thinking about this. You know, my husband switches off 
whenever I repeated myself. You know, when I repeat and repeat, it's like a, you know, a radio, a recorder that goes on and on and on. He, he gets impatient and then he doesn't listen. He switched off. So, uh, what am I saying? <laughs> okay, so, he, or when, when, when he's too engrossed with his work, he doesn't listen. He switched off. Man does that, right? <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm guilty of that. Sometimes when I'm so busy, when he's trying to talk to me, I switched off too. <laughs> Payback time. <laughs> Okay, so but thank God our Heavenly Father is not like that. He listens. Okay, so whenever you are needing someone to talk to, to hear you, talk to God. In Philippians 4, 6 to 7, it says that we are to be anxious for nothing, be prayerful in everything, be thankful for anything, and we will enjoy the surpassing peace of God that will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus paid it all. He secured a place for us with God. Jesus is not only the God of peace, He is our peace. Through His death on the cross, Jesus achieved the messianic peace by reconciling men to God and to one another. In summary, to have the shalom, the perfect peace of God, we must first be born again, if we have not already done so. Or we must recommit our lives if we have drifted away from Him. After having made peace with God, we must now choose to walk in obedience to God's purposes and will for our lives. As I close, I'd like to share an inspiring story. Many of us are familiar with the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. Yes? How many? Yeah, okay. It's a very, very old hymn. But did you know there's an incredible story behind it? Horatio Spafford was a prominent Chicago lawyer who had a thriving practice. He was a devout Christian who immersed himself in Scripture and for many years, he was, his life was joyous. He owned several properties throughout the city. He and his beloved wife had four beautiful daughters and a son. Life was more than good. It was a blessed life. But faith, no matter how great, does not spare us from adversity. Just as Horatio hit the pinnacle of his profession and financial success, things began to change. It began with the tragic loss of their son. Not long after, the great Chicago fire destroyed nearly every real estate investment Horatio owned. Following the calamities, Horatio decided to treat his, his wife and daughters to a much-needed break from the turmoil. He sent them on a boat trip to Europe with plans to join them shortly after wrapping up some business. And so days later, he received a dreadful tel telegram from his wife bearing the excruciating news that the ship had wrecked and all four of their daughters had perished. Can you imagine? Horatio was on his way to meet his broken heartbroken wife, passing over the same sea that had just claimed the lives of his remaining children. It was then that he wrote the timeless hymn beginning with the words, When peace like a river attended my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my Lord thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. The famous Hymn composer Philip Bliss was so moved by Horatio's prose 
that he composed a peaceful tune to accompany the words. The song was published by Bliss and Sankey in 1876. And the song still is a favourite amongst many today. It's one of mine too. It is well with my soul. It's incredible to think such encouraging and uplifting words were born from the depths of an unimaginable sorrow. It's an example of an unwavering faith and trust in the Lord. And it goes to show the power our God has to overcome even the darkest times of our earthly life. And a good reminder that our God will see us through any storm of life. How could anyone who had lost almost everything he had be able to write a, a beautiful hymn as this? I believe only the peace of God could do just that. This surpassing peace of God must have so gripped Horatio and filled him to an extent that he was able to experience such perfect peace. Much like Job, Horatio's faith remained steadfast in prosperity and calamities. How about us? Can we hold on to the hope of our salvation in spite of our experiences in life? Can we be assured that God will never leave us nor forsake us no matter what? And can we confidently say we have a secured future in Christ through His atonement on the cross for us? When God delays in coming to our rescue when we needed help the most, does not mean He doesn't care or He doesn't know. It just means it's not the right time. He's waiting for the perfect moment to answer our prayers. In Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God knows what's best for us. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's omnipotent, He's omniscient, and He's omnipresent. Miracles happen when God moves. His ears are not too distant that He can't hear us. His hands are never too short to touch us. All we need to do is cry out, Abba, Father, and He will meet us where we are. So, what's the cry of your heart today? Jesus says, Come to me, all ye who are weary, and I will give you rest. Are there burdens too heavy that's weighing you down? Have you come to a point where you feel it's not worth your time and effort in doing anything good? Are you battling with evil desires that you couldn't seem to get out? Just like the story of the prodigal son, God is waiting for you to come home to Him. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word that you have given to us. We know that you love us and that you desire for us to have the shalom of God in our lives. May your word bring forth understanding in our spirit as we reflect on what it means to have peace with you. Help us to live out our lives in such a way that others could see the peace of God upon us, that they too would want to encounter Jesus for themselves. Help us to live in the power and authority in Christ as we continue in this journey of faith. 
for those who are living with uncertainty and in constant turmoil. May they recognize the unceasing mercy of God and the victory won on the cross to overcome every challenge they face in this world. I also lift up those who are struggling with having the peace of God in this current endemic situation. May they receive a new revelation on the peace of God as they choose to yield and surrender to you fully. God, it's your desire to want us all to experience the shalom in Jesus so that we are and we can be complete in every aspect of life, in our body, in our mind, in our soul, spirit, and our relationship with others. In Jesus' mighty and matchless name, we pray. Amen.